Welcome, hello, hello, hello. Glad you could join us. Welcome to the stream. Welcome. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. We do this every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged. And uh, let's get to it. So we have a shipping report for you. After that, we're going to uh, talk about the giveaway, which is pretty cool, the fish we're going to give away. And then I, I also want to talk a little bit about um, uh, plecos and what to expect when they're they're shipped to you, I guess, is what I'm going to do. Um, so we're going to get to the shipping report first and uh, go from there. So the shipping report is fairly good. We've had three losses since we talked to you last week. All three were different kinds of plecos. Um, well, two were one kind of pleco and Anyway, they were all plecos, let's put it that way, um, which is a little odd. And one of them I just got noticed from Johnny today was a Sultan pleco. And that one was really surprising because I've had that Sultan pleco um, for like, several months. It might be four months. And I've raised it up from a little guy. and He was a tank. He was fat and sassy and doing great. So I'm not sure what happened there. Apologize to that customer. Um, that one really surprised me, though, because, like I said, that guy's been with me long term. And uh, I actually said to him, I was like, man, this guy's going to do great for this customer. He got so lucky that he's getting this one. Because it was one of those that it was the last one in a tank. And uh, we had another tank that had several Sultan Plecos in it. So we just started drawing from that tank instead, right? And that happened a few times. Finally, we have the last one for sale. It's like, okay, I have to actually go back and, and try to find this one Pleco out of this tank. But he's been my buddy for a while, so I was really surprised about that one. Um, anyway, I'd like to you know, apologize to the customers who lost any fish. That's never fun when that happens. Um, bell curve-wise, percentage-wise, I think we're still in pretty good shape. But even though the percentage of losses are very, very, very small, when it happens to you, it still is real, right? It doesn't matter how small the percentage is. If your fish happens to be one of the ones uh, in that percentage of DOAs or the, the Sultan didn't, I don't think was DOA, but died a little bit after uh, arriving. So I understand that. Sorry to hear about that. Um, I did want to report, though, something about last time we talked or maybe it was the time before. I think it was last week. There was someone that had reported that uh, they had been shipped, I believe, five um Corridors Venezuelanus, uh, orange quarries, and that they had lost four of them, or maybe it was six and they lost five of them. And that surprised me too, because those quarries have been doing great for us, rock solid from a really good source. And so that surprised the heck out of me too. But we've, we've learned since then, uh, water tests have been done and things that there was ammonia in the water. So, and that the uh, tank that they were going in before they went in had almost no bio load in it. It'd been up for a long time, but not with any real critters, just a couple small little critters. Um, and so then several fish were putting it all at once, not just the uh, quarries, but some other fish as well. And so um, I think we found out what was going on there. I think that tank went into a cycle. Well, obviously it did because ammonia was reading. And don't trust the test kit. It'll say like, I don't remember what it is. Is it like 0.25 or 0.5? Uh, PPM ammonia, it's like safe. <laughs> and 
And then you get to the next one, it's like stress. And then you get to the next one, it's like danger, whatever. Uh, they're all danger. Like any, you, you shouldn't be able to read any ammonia in your tests. If you can read any ammonia with a standard like aquarium store type test kit, a, a strip or the little uh, API solution test kit, um, that's too much. So I think we found out what happened there. So again, sorry to that customer. That's never fun. Um, I totally understand. And, and we'll take care of you still. Like we, we like to set our customers up for success. And by the way, um, it's not, it's altruistic just because I'm a fish nerd and I, I want to help someone be successful with the species, but it also makes good business sense. If Imagine you're a customer, and this has happened several times. I, I'm sure there's people in the chat that have had this experience where you've got fish from me and for some reason they didn't do well. And sometimes I'm like, well, I, I don't know that fish very well yet. I've only had that fish for a couple of weeks or a month or something. Um, or it's the first time I shipped that particular batch or that species and I don't know what's going on, right? And that, that can happen. But when it's from a batch that I've had for a long time and I've shipped out hundreds of them or whatever, and, um, and they've done well for everyone else, and then they do, don't do well for someone, a little red flag goes off in my head like, ooh, there's got to be something we can fix here. So there's been several times when that's happened. Again, losses are very minimal, but sometimes it happens. And sometimes through uh, talking with the customer, emailing the customer, we can figure out what's going on, fix it, and then resend the fish and they live. So there's many scenarios where that's happened. Or it's like, we can't figure it out, try a different tank, you know, and then they live, things like that. So we can kind of walk the customer through, help them out, solve the problem, or at least figure out we can't solve the problem, and then try something different, and then the fish do well. And from a business standpoint, yeah, that costs a little money because you have to resend a replacement, right? And there's the time to help the customer and everything. But, um, but what a great customer experience. Not that the fish had trouble, you know, that's never good. But if someone walks you through that and then we fix the problem and then sends you fish from the same batch and then they do well, that's a pretty, uh, I would imagine that that generates quite a bit of customer loyalty. And companies out there spend so much money on like, uh, you know, uh, programs to try to keep customers loyal and all these little doodads that they'll send you to try to keep you loyal. And, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, gimmicks, all kinds of gimmicks to try to get you loyal because it's a huge cost for them when a customer doesn't come back, right? If they've done everything they need to do to acquire a customer and then customers don't come back, that's called churn. Um, that's a huge cost. So for us, it takes some time and all that, but the hobbyist in me is super happy to do it. And I think, not just that, sorry, my camera wasn't quite right. Too much of my belly was showing. <laughs> um, not just that, but I think it makes good business sense too, because what a great experience for the customer. You know, someone that has that experience will come back. So we always look at losses as an opportunity, um, even though they suck. I mean, there's it's no good. And we're all about the ethics of treating fish right, you know, and when we do something and a fish is lost, I, I feel like a moral responsibility for that or ethical, 
you know, obligation to do better so that doesn't happen again. But we try to look at those losses as, as opportunities to work through with the customer, solve the problem they're having on their end, and then help them be successful. Or, which also happens, again, this is not customer blaming, it, it can definitely happen that a customer has a problem and if we look deeper into our group of fish, we might notice, oh, wait, yeah, that's going on with this one here. I hadn't noticed that. So sometimes it's us that need to solve the problem on our end. Um, and it's an opportunity to fix things on our end. So it goes both ways, but that's how we try to look at it. So um, that salt and pleco really surprised me. The other ones really hurt, too, because it was two ocelots, 174s, which are super rare. Um, and we've brought in and distributed to folks. Um, a couple times now to try to get a, a population established in the United States, enough breeding population that they can be redistributed. That's a very rare fish. It's very hard to get. Um, it's from a very limited habitat. So we don't want to take a bunch from the wild. And these weren't the ones I have were aquarium bred and raised. And um, they're super slow growers and they're a tiny little fish. They're um, those, the mini sm snowball pleco, and I think the mini ranger pleco are the three smallest uh, of the, I guess, kind of hype and sisters type fancy plecos, the blinged bling plecos, the plecos too much. So um, that's that's what happened. And I hate to report that, especially with those ocelots. That's that's kind of heartbreaking. Um, the ocelots, when they came in, they were very small. So we held on to them to grow them out a bit. And also one of the bags had collapsed. They came in several different bags, but one of them, there was a leak or wasn't tightened enough and a lot of the air had gone out. And so um, some of the fish in there were struggling. So I, I think I literally kept those for two months before I listed them for sale, just because I was like, ooh, some of these have really struggled and a lot of them are really small. And I wanted to make sure they were okay. And they were. Uh, two months. Um, they had been doing great for over a month of that, even the ones that were the most affected by the bag collapsing. So I was confident they were ready to go, but apparently either they weren't or something that can happen. And again, rarely, I don't want to give you the idea that there's lots of problems. Um, in fact, um, I'd have to look up what percentage we're at right now, but I think we're still at, you know, well, less than 1% losses. Um, but something that can happen this time of year is even though the weather's cool, if we put a heat pack in, if that box is put like in a sunny window um, at the UPS office or, or something like that, it can, even though it's cold outside, it's sunny enough that with the heat pack and the sun on it, especially in a window or something, it can it can get too hot. So there's, there's all kinds of things we, we can't control directly. But... Uh, in this transition time, springtime in the fall, when we go from, you know, cool to hot or hot to cold, and we get those weird temperature fluctuations, that's the hardest time to ship. But, you know, again, it's a very, very small, not even percentage, fraction of percentage. So um, that's the shipping report. Um, let's see here. What was the next thing I wanted to do? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I do want to say something um, about interacting in the stream, which is let's keep it positive and happy. Um, I, I'm not saying, okay, that sounds like let's keep it Pollyanna. That's not what I'm saying. But 
for example, the moderators, let's just think about them for a second. So the moderators do this out of the goodness of their heart, right? They're not paid. They're volunteering. The only incentive to do something as a volunteer is because it makes you feel good to do it, right? Because you enjoy it, because um, you get some kind of benefit out of it that makes you feel like you're a good person, right? Which we all need to feel or that you've done good for a cause you care about, you know, all those things that make life meaningful and worth living. Um, and so for the moderators that are in here volunteering their time, they're like my heroes. And let's keep that in mind. Let's not make their job difficult. Let's keep them happy. Um, what I mean by that is don't be jerks. <laughs> number one. And number two, don't spam the chat um, over and over again or, you know, Will you send me my free fish? Or um, if you have a comment or question, just list it once. And if I pass it, then list it again. But don't feel like if you put it every two minutes, it's somehow going to get more attention. It won't. Um, just anything you can think of that'll help the mods out. Let's let's keep them happy. They're volunteers. Uh, be nice to the mods. And, you know, they basically, I need them. They're very important to the health of the stream and to this community that we've built. And so... If anyone's making their lives difficult, they'll just ban you. I've instructed them very clearly. If anyone's making your job stressful or making it so that it's not uh, enjoyable to be a mod on my channel, ban them. Because I'd rather lose the person doing that than a moderator, to put it bluntly. So just keep that in mind. Now, we have a pretty darn good community. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's a bunch of troublemakers out there or anything, but do keep that in mind. Like, if you're making the mods and you might be like, Hey, I was just joking or oh, whatever. Well, yeah, you know, but you know, just pretend you're a guest in someone's home or at someone's event or something like that. Right. And act accordingly. And we'll all get along. It'll all be good. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I see a couple of super chats, but yeah, I guess I'll get to those right now. I have something else I want to talk about though. And I can't forget, um, who are they from? Uh, killers, aquatics and exotics. KO. Boom. <laughs> Thanks for the happy hippo sticker. Now, Alexander Engelhart for the voluntude. Yes. Thank you, Alexander. Appreciate it very much. Both you and Bob. Thanks so much. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about, um, since we had a couple losses on Plecos, I also wanted to talk about something which is Plecos and stress. So I got an email. I, I've been in the warehouse. Um, we're putting lights up on the aquariums today. And so I've been at the warehouse working all day. Um, I haven't been here this afternoon to check my emails. So I just saw this right before I went live. So I haven't had time to respond to this person. I will. But I got an email where someone sent me a picture of a couple mini snowball plecos they got. And, and we're very concerned that one might be sick. So let me show you this picture. Um, the customer... is not worried about this one that's nice and dark, but is worried about this one because of these light spots on the body. And so they're worried that there might be a disease or something. How do I treat it and all that? Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this fish, to tell you the truth. Um, they said it looks like scales are missing and things, but I don't think so. What this looks like to me is a typical stress coloration of a mini snowball. They get these white blotches and white bands when they're stressed. And this fish just arrived yesterday, so it's still going to be stressed from shipping. I think this one's just recovered more quickly or was less stressed during shipping. So 
I don't think in this case we want to medicate or do anything like that. I think we just want to give the fish a, a couple weeks to settle in, chill out, get to know its new home and, and start, you know, being acclimatized to its new environment. So I will um, email the customer as soon as this, the stream's done and talk to them about that. But, um, <laughs> but I just want to show this because often a fish that in the pictures is really dark with these bright spots, the spotted kinds, will often um, show these blotchy white patches or bands during shipping. In fact, let's see. And it's not just the mini snowballs. The L201s can do that as well. Um, but let's see here. L471 Pleco. See if we can find anything here. Okay. This one's kind of showing it. Hang on, guys. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find a good example. And I don't know if I'll be able to because um, typically when people post pictures of their plecos, they're not doing it in stress color. But every now and then, you'll be able to find one. Oh, wow. Well, that one's way, like, this one right here, that looks weird to me. I, I don't usually see them blotch out that much. Um, I wonder if that fish is really stressed or is actually ill. I'm not quite sure. But let, let's see here. I'm just going to look a little further. I won't, I won't spend all day on this. Don't worry. We'll get back to you guys in just a second. I'm not seeing one right now. Let's see if I can find a 201 instead, maybe. Again, this this was a bit of a long shot, um, and I just saw this right before I went live, so I didn't have time to pull the proper images. I just hoping I could get on real quick and find one. But, you know, folks don't... If you're a store selling these, you're probably not... Or someone's showing yours off, you're probably not going to be showing them in their most stress coloration. So I'm not really seeing it. Okay. Well, that didn't work out, but, um, just want to show that be aware that plecos have stress patterns, cichlids have stress patterns. A lot of fish, when they're stressed, they have a completely different look than, uh, than they would otherwise. So, all right. With that, let's see here. I did. Okay. We have to talk about the giveaway before we get to the general chat and we need to give you a little update on the warehouse. Let's start with the warehouse. So the warehouse is coming along beautifully. The uh, guy that does all the sensors and controls and stuff was back again today. And luckily the little piece that we were missing to have the carbon filters talk correctly with the rest of the system, the little daughter board, um, subboard, I guess, uh, came this morning. So I was able to go get those from UPS and get them right to the guys. So we didn't hold anything up. Those sensors came in time, which is great. They are working on, uh, the, I guess you'd say dry, whatever they can do dry, <laughs> getting all the sensors tested without water in the system. That's what they're doing today. Um, and what they're working on right now 
And then Monday, we're scheduled to turn the water on. So the dry testing should be done by Monday. And then Monday, we should turn it on and start doing the wet testing with water in the system. That'll take oh, probably at least a week to get that done. Make sure, you know, run all the scenarios and things with water actually in the system. And then once that's done, I'll get some fish from here and take them over. So that's coming along really well. Also, I wish I could show you, uh, maybe I'll email a picture to myself real quick because um, I took some pictures today of the progress down by the river and I want to show them to you guys. Usually when I do that, they show up in my Google pictures, but since I had to get a new phone because my old phone stopped working. They're no longer, I haven't got this phone hooked up yet to sync with my Google Drive or anything. So let me just email that to myself so I can show you the progress on the riverbank. But the, um, we're just about done. The most of the dig site for the water source, which has been muddy and yucky for a while, right? Because construction has been uh, covered and reclamated and all that. So it's, getting graded. They're just about done. Uh, the big boulders to support the bank of the river along our draw site have been put in today. We put those in. So the banks all stabilized and there's gaps um, where water can go between the boulders and into the gravel where we draw the water from. So that's all done. It, and it, the, the river is like nice and clear and beautiful right now. They need to, um, the riprap which is the artificial creek that we're making to return the water to the river. Uh, the, the trench for that has been dug. And uh, I think tomorrow they'll have the, the rock in there. They were concentrating on the creek bed or uh, bank today. So that's coming along. And uh, okay, let me make sure I can, if I can get this. See if that picture came or not. It did not. Uh, okay, well, that's a bust. I'll post it on Instagram. As soon as I get Instagram hooked up on my new phone, <laughs> like I, anytime you get a new phone, life's weird for a while, right? So anyway, starting to look really good. Um, the riprap and detention pond will be finished, I think, tomorrow and the next day. And then everything will, the, the little final grading will get done, and then we can take some uh, a, a mix of native plant seeds that we can get here locally and go plant it over that so we kind of return it back to its natural state i'm just going to take a few weeks for the seeds to sprout and the mud to disappear as the as the uh, new plants grow but that's where we're at on that we're getting really close water gets turned on on monday which is amazing so for those that have been following the uh build of the new fish store, the fish warehouse is what we're calling it. We're getting very, very close. Sorry, this I was there all working till the last minute, so I don't have things set up quite as <laughs> quite as well as usual to go live and making little adjustments as I see errors. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Very, very close. Okay, let's get to the giveaway and then we'll get to your questions and your comments. So the giveaway tonight is that fish in the thumbnail, which is an actual picture of the fish 
that is going to be given away. Um, I, I went today and took that picture of that fish. He's beautiful. I'm bringing him up right here so I can show this to you. So this is a Severum. I know, just a moment, I'm getting them in place. I disappeared. There you go. Okay, one more thing, and I'll be able to show you this and talk about this guy. Okay. So this is a Severum. I'm not sure exactly which species. Came in with a group of red-shouldered Severums, and this fish is now about four inches, maybe a little bigger, somewhere around there, and has not developed the red shoulder. All the other fish in the group developed the red shoulder. So this is either a red shoulder severum that doesn't have a red shoulder, or it's a different species that somehow got mixed into the batch, which can happen a lot in this industry. Um, because I don't know what it is, I'm not really comfortable selling it as, you know, rando severum. But I know there's some Severum, fa Severum fans uh, in the chat um, and watching this. And so I thought this would be a good way to find this fish a home. Because, again, I can't sell it. Don't know what it is. But it's four inches, maybe a little bigger. And it's a beautiful fish. It's got the turquoise on the face. It's got the nice red coming in on the anal fin and the pelvic fins. Um, good looking fish. Really healthy grown him up from about an inch. So we've had this guy for a while. Um, I sold, what happened was I sold some Severums from, I think another batch, small. They were an inch, maybe two inches. I don't know before they had any color. And a few months later, I got an email from a customer that had bought them and said, Hey, I bought whatever species it was. And what I have are not those they've grown enough. I can tell. So I was like, oh man. So I got real shy selling the Severum. So I, I took them all off and waited till I could raise them up big enough to actually see what they were. Because I mean, when I buy a, a small fish from a supplier and they call it, I don't know, call it Severum species one. <laughs> I don't know it's not Severum species one when it's small, right? It has to grow up first. And I don't want my customers to have a bad experience. That's a horrible experience where you buy a fish, you grow it up for a few months, put all that work and time into it. And then Oh shoot, that's the wrong fish. So we grew these up from itty bitty ones. Um, everyone else in the tank developed that red. Oh, it, it about three inches or so, except this guy. So I've held on to this guy for another month or something like that, six weeks. He's over four inches now, I think, and um, still no red. So that's why um, I'm doing the giveaway because he's a perfectly great fish. I just don't know exactly how to sell him. So hoping some Severum folks might like them. Now, if you don't know Severums, there's a couple things to understand. One, they get big. These are not fish for a 20 gallon tank or anything. They get big and they get deep bodied. So they're, they're a big beefy fish. I mean, they're laterally compressed, but they take up some space. The other thing is Severums like to munch on plants. So if you have nice, soft little plants in your tank, they'll probably eat them. Now, Java fern, Java moss, um, some of your nubius and stuff might be okay, but they might get nibbled as well. So, so that's kind of the main things to keep in mind with Severums. They do like a lot of vegetable matter in their diet. They'll love green peas. I feed them coin zucchini. Um, I also feed them protein foods too, but mix in some good veggies. Um, besides that, they're a great fish. They're beautiful. 
they're fairly peaceful. I mean, they're cichlid, but for cichlid world, they're quite peaceful. And um, gentle giants, I guess, is what I would say. So if you have a large tank and you like that particular fish, that's, that's what you see is what you get. That's the real fish. And can give them a good home and want to. There's no, you know, no pressure to join the giveaway, but if you want to, then hashtag Severum, S-E-V-E-R-U-M, no space, just hashtag Severum. If you type that into the chat, you'll automatically be entered into the chat, into the uh, giveaway, and we'll draw that a little later. So um, hopefully folks, I think, I'm sure there's enough folks here that would like that fish that we'll be able to find them a good home, but you know, I, I get it. It's it's not a particular species, at least that I can identify. <laughs> and so I get if it's not everyone's cup of tea, no problems. Okay. That, I think, is everything I needed to cover. So that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. Let's find out what's going on with you guys. If you would leave a question or comment, um, if you type the at symbol and then start typing Dan, you should see an option pop up to select Dan's fish. If you do that, I'll get a bright orange notification and I'll be much more likely to see your comment and to read it and to know it's for me. So at symbol, no space, um, Dan's fish. And just like this, see this, that bright orange thing there and that bright orange thing there. That's what we're talking about. Can I make that bigger so folks can see it? Well, let's see. Uh, oh man, that got weird. There you go. At symbol Dan's fish, no space. That should do it. Okay, now let me see if I can get my screen back to normal size. Reset, reset, everyone's good. Okay, excellent. Okay, I'm gonna scroll up and see if I can find any questions or comments um, that were listed before. The Guppy Ranch, yes sir, one of my, one of my 201s had the same sort of discoloration, I'm pretty sure it's stress-related. Yeah, I, I know it is, because when I received them from import, they look like that. Uh, they have blotchy light spots on them, white bands on them. Um, so I, I know that that's a stress color. Now, a fish could be ill, and that could be causing it to feel stress, and therefore it could show that color as well. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not sick. There's lots of, you know, causes of stress. So... Basically, we'll keep an eye on that fish. I'll, I'll talk to the customer, and if, if they end up having trouble with it, then um, then I'll take care of them for sure. But I'm betting that within a week or two, they're not going to be able to tell those two fish apart. That's my guess. David W., to reinforce what Dan is saying, a couple of the L471s I received showed up light spots when they came in, but it nearly fully colored back up within an hour. Oh, good. An hour is great. Um, sometimes it can take a week or two. It just depends on... Um, the place they're going in, right? And how quickly they, they get used to it. Yeah. But David W., yes, they look uh, very different when they're stressed. Kevin Voigt, I can't wait to see the warehouse up and running. Me either. Oh, it's, it's coming. So <laughs> so today we, uh, we started putting lights in and we started putting the air stones in. And these are awesome. These are big boy air stones. They're like two inches tall an inch and a half wide, nice, big, heavy, um, never clog air stones. Um, and it's amazing when you have that many aquariums, it's like, Hey, let's put the air stones in. Okay. No problem. So we start putting the air stones in like 
four hours later, it's like, man, I still haven't even got all the bottom tanks done yet. Right. It's like, it's just, everything takes forever. So we started and we'll, uh, we'll keep, uh, grinding away at it, but it's amazing. Anytime you have to do any little task, uh, with that high volume of tanks, how long it takes to get it done. Punchy paints. Do you have my room ready in the warehouse yet? I do. It, you know, we, we have a bathroom all ready for you. <laughs> uh, punchy paints. I'm sure we can find a cot. North Aquatics. Amazing setup. That is how I would do it. Energy efficient, environmentally friendly. Only thing I see is how is the system removing nitrates and phosphates before, like before it goes back. So the thing about nitrates is you don't have to worry about that a ton for this particular creek in this particular system. Um, the bio load that we'll have is very small. We might go through... If we go through two cups of dried food a day or something like that in the warehouse, that, that's probably about where we might be. And if you calculate how much nitrate is produced from that, um, that's a very, very, very small bio load. In fact, um, the Department of Environmental Quality um, says that that system can easily handle uh, 100,000 pounds of fish bio load. And we're not even, even close to that. We are way far away from that. So the nice thing about returning nitrogenous waste to a creek like the one out there is that creek, well, first of all, first thing is it's going to go through a whole riprap. So we are building an artificial creek to feed back to the real creek. Okay. And that is going to be basically a riffle system. Um, good flow over a whole bunch of rocks, just like the rapids in a river. So you're going to have tons of nitrifying bacteria in there. So that'll take care of a lot of it. But the creek also has, um, it has anoxic zones. It has anaerobic zones. It has aerobic zones. It has plants like creeks and rivers are absolutely built to deal with nitrogenous waste. They suck it up super, super quickly. There's a ton of organisms in those creeks that will love to have some nitrogen. Um, as far as phosphates, I don't think we're going to be producing a lot of phosphates at all. Um, again, though, we do have the artificial creek that we're building before the water gets back to the real creek. So that's the, that's the main thing we're doing. But um, yeah, that, that creek's going to eat up any night. The volume of nitrogenous waste that we're going to be producing is tiny compared to what uh, that section of the creek could easily process. So that's the answer. All right. And we've, we've looked at, we've looked at, I just, I want people to understand we've looked at all this stuff. We are not here to damage the environment. We are not here to cause a problem for the local ecosystem or anything like that. Like I love going out in that creek and fly fishing and stuff. Like I don't want to, you know, the kids and I go swim in that creek every summer. We don't want to ruin it by any means. And we've looked at this very carefully uh, with the Department of Environmental Quality, who knows that creek really, really well, has many decades of studies on it. Um, with the Army Corps of Engineers, with the State Engineer's Office, with uh, Fish and Game, um, 
and I'm probably missing a couple. So this is not something we're just going into and being like, Hey, we can just do this. Like we've, we, we know what needs to happen to make it so things will be good. And we've, you know, spent all the money and done all the work to do that. We aren't taking any shortcuts at all. All right. Chevy Fish says, looks like heroes Librifer, Liberifer. Yeah, it could be. Um, Chevy Fish, I'm, I'm pretty bad at identifying Severums. I can do the red shoulders because they get a bright red shoulder. <laughs> and I can do Notatus. Um, but, you know, some of them are pretty difficult for me to tell them apart. Just Aquatics. Do you ever get L134s? I might. Let me look at this one. The Leopard Frog Pleco. I have not yet, because I have yet to find... Um, the, the breeder I typically buy Plecos from is not producing them at this time, at least not in numbers that he can distribute them. Um, but I do have some sources for them, and I might try them. But I, I have this thing about Plecos. Let me see if I can... Hang on real quick. Yeah, I can. Oh, well, I should do this on the phone. I'm going to look up uh, something real quick so I can talk about Plecos from the wild uh, a little, a little more, a little more better, more better. <laughs> Just give me one second here. I, I've got to stop looking up emails while I'm live streaming, looking them up on my computer while I'm live streaming, because every now and then I accidentally share the screen and I could give away people's you know, private information. I don't want to do that. New phone, still getting used to it. I kind of hate it. Like, I, I hate every new phone I get. <laughs> like, that old phone worked just fine. So let's see here. This was, ah, the L387. So like right now, there is uh, an exporter who's offering L387s, an exporter from Colombia, um, offering L387s for very cheap. Like the price is unbelievable. Um, and they were, you know, asking if I would like to get some. And I was like, no, like, why not? And I was like, I, I just don't want to source plecos from the wild. And the reason for that is, and by the way, if you see a whole bunch of what did I say? 387s? Let's see. I think that's the one. L387s. Yeah, it's a good, it's a neat fish. The L387 here. Um, really, really pretty pleco. You're likely to see a whole bunch of them hit the market um, very soon because of this great offer. I would encourage you, um, if you're looking at buying some, to, to find out, to to get a little information about them before you buy them. And the reason is um, wild plecos, in, in my experience, and anyone here that brings in wild plecos and has had a different experience, please chime in. Um, I'm just telling you what I've experienced. Others might be different, but in general, you almost always have problems with wild caught plecos. Whereas in general, you almost never have problems with aquarium bred and raised plecos. That's been my experience. So. I do have access to a lot of wild-caught pleco species, like leopard frogs and like these 387s and lots of others that I just won't bring in because what's likely to happen is I'll sell them and they'll get to you fine because plecos are tough as nails. But a couple months after you get them, 
they're likely to have passed away. Um, the or they'll come in with sunken belly. That happens a whole bunch. I don't feel like I'm articulating this correctly. But the basic thing is, even though I can get a lot of... I just don't want... There's two things. One is I don't want to be part of an overfishing thing, right? I don't want to hurt a species. But a lot of these are being sustainably collected. Like the that, that, that can be beneficial to an ecosystem. As we know, when the people doing the collecting are like, hey, this is my livelihood stop polluting my river, right? That's helpful to the environment. And usually um, fish are endangered due to environmental habitat destruction and things like that. And the introduction of invasive species and things. It's very, it's few and far between that a fish is over collected to the point where that ruins its population, at least in the freshwater aquarium world. It can happen, but it's not common. But environmental pollution, uh, destruction of the environment, that all can happen. So I don't have anything against harvesting fish from nature, especially if it results in a situation where the people doing the harvesting benefit to the point where they make sure and protect their their rivers so they can keep harvesting them. And then that can all be done sustainably. So it's not that. But from what I've seen over the years, plecos that are wild caught, there's something about the supply chain, there's something about um, maybe whatever they come in with. Uh, I'm sure there's parasites and things they come in with. Um, but, you know, farm fish can have lots of parasites and things too. So it's not exclusive to them. But whatever it is, they, from what I've seen, they rarely do well for people. And so I'm fearful that if I start playing the wild pleco game, that... Um, that'll be what happens is that customers will get them and after a little while they'll just gradually fade away on the customer because that's what the experience has been for me with wild caught plecos now i haven't messed with or dealt with wild caught plecos for years because of those situations so maybe things have changed somewhat i'm, I'm not really sure but for now I'm, I'm not getting into them i might every now and then um, try a species from a supplier and, and see how they do or something like that. Because maybe things have changed in the last, it's been over 10 years. So, you know, the industry's had a decade to improve. Maybe it has. I'll need to find out about that. But I would be very, very careful um, when anyone goes to buy Plecos, especially the pricey ones. Um, no, I mean, this can happen with the not pricey ones too, though, like the bullfrogs and stuff. Um, and rubber lips and all those. I'd be really careful to try to find out from wherever you're buying them from what their source was and how long have they had them and what are they eating on and what do the bellies look like? You know, things like that, especially if you're going to spend quite a bit of money. Not that expensive fish are you know, <laughs> are, are more important than non-expensive fish. But when it hurts both places, the fish has problems and you're out a ton of money. You know, it's just a double wham. But um, I'd be really careful. So if you guys see a whole bunch of those, what was it? 387s? No, I can't remember. L387s. If you see a whole bunch of those hit the market in the next couple weeks, 
um, understand those are probably coming from um, a wild caught group. And just be aware of that. I'm not saying don't get them. Uh, maybe you're proficient at getting wild caught plecos and you, you know what to do. Um, just be aware that that's probably what's happening. Orange cones. I have 37 out of 42 eggs hatched at latest Farwella batch. Call me Farlow Mama. Yes, absolutely. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're breeding those. That is great news. Goal and all that. Good for you. That's a good hatch rate. You know, when orange cones, whenever you want, um, I'd be happy to buy a whole bunch of hobbyist bred and raised Farwellas. That would be great. Hobbies have the best fish. Okay, let's see here. I'm scrolling to find, hang on, I feel like chat jumped on me here. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. Okay, North Aquatics, thanks for the answer and so well thought out system. Did not know about the artificial creek before the main creek. Yeah, we, we are doing that. Basically, we want to re, well, the, the, the water will be oxygenated, but we want to have, give it a chance to, uh, I don't even know because it's well oxygenated. It'll be cooled off, all that stuff. It's just, it's just another precaution we're taking. But, you know, even if we didn't do that, I still think the creek would be just fine because the bio load for small aquarium fish is so small. Um, if we're talking about a catfish farm or a trout farm or something where you're feeding, you know, 100 pounds or more of food a day, that's different. But two cups of dry food, that's barely any nitrogenous waste for the volume of water in the creek. Paul Soltero, Dan, I got here a little late. What type of severum is going to a new home? Um, a very pretty one. <laughs> we don't know. I don't know what type it is. I just know that it looks exactly like that because I took that picture earlier today. That's the actual fish you'll be getting. That's all I know. Came in with some red shoulders, but it's not a red shoulder. Don't know what it is. Someone thought it uh, looked like a liberifer. Did I say that right? <laughs> Which, is that the mouth brooding one? I can't remember. Paul Soltero. Oh, sorry. Just got that one. Here we go. Orange cones. I was waiting for the warehouse. Actually, I'm considering shipping out an older two batches, four inches now. Oh, great. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, and waiting for the warehouse at this point is probably a fine thing to do. We're very close. I might be able to, I, I think I've got a 75 gallon free though. I might be able to put some in, but yeah, let, I, we might as well wait at this point. Sure. Okay. Let's see what's going on over here. Okay. Missed a couple super chats. Liquid Zoo saying Bob Kaler is a known troublemaker. Oh, I don't think so. I think Bob Kaler is an amazingly helpful dude. Um, and Bob Kaler throwing down Pippi Longstocking. The Pippi Longstocking cheerleader. <laughs> Thank you, Kaler's Aquatics. Appreciate it very, very much. Um, Michael Millier. Missed the beginning of the stream. Is the Severum large community fish safe? Thinking rainbows and angels. Yeah, it should be. Um, absolutely. If you have adult angels, um, I'm sorry, adult rainbows, that should be great. Small rainbows might get eaten, but 
Adults? Yeah, no problem. Uh, same with the angels. I think that that would be a good mix for that Severum. Yes. Chevy Fish saying, yes, Severum, Liberifer is the mouth brooder. Okay, let's look at some pictures here real quick. I want to see Severum, or Heroes, not Severum, Liberifer. Heroes, Liberifer. The genus name is Heroes for Severums. Um, here we are. Let's take a look-see. I mean, maybe. I'm not seeing quite the same red on the anal fin or quite the same turquoise on the face. Let's see here. I mean, it could be, you never know with like moods and all that. And that red eye, let's see. I guess that eye's reddish. To me, they look a little different though. I'm not sure if it is Liberifer. Again, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's kind of more what I think of. Red striations. Let's see, do we have red striations on this one? I don't see them. Or Chevy Fish, anything's possible. And obviously I don't know, which is why I'm saying I don't know. <laughs> but um <laughs> but uh I'm not sure it's Liberifer. Cichlids23, you rock, Dan. Keep up all the hard work. Candy and I want to come visit when the water is rolling and the fishes are swimming. And we want you to come visit. I fully expect you guys to come visit. Candy, you better come visit <laughs> to see the difference. Yeah. That would be awesome if you guys can swing it. I would really, really like to see you both. Terra Gatone. I know it might be just Gatone, but I like Gatone. It's more fun to say. Ever sell L24 or L25 Plecos? Uh, not that I know of. Let's look up what they are. L24, O24, Pleco. Oh, I haven't got these yet. I, I have sold some types of Cactus Plecos. I really like them. Um, I think I've had, what are the ones I've had? The Leopards, which are the 600s, I think. And what's the 25? I don't have anything against getting something like this. Um, generally, though, Scarlet Cactus, yeah. In general, just sold out of 600s. I, I almost, I rarely bring in fish that get so big that I could not keep them in my tanks um, as adults. And some of these plecos get, get right up close to that point. But I have sold the 600s, also the... Um, Polka dot. So I'm not I'm not against them. Um, I think that I think they can work. Here's a picture of our actual polka dots. So I, I do delve into some cactuses. Um, if I can find them small and from the right situation where they're aquarium bred and and all that, then sometimes I do bring in some cactus types. Yeah. And so far, the demand of those has been really high. Um, so people obviously want them, um, and, and they don't get, you know, they don't, they're not a Paku, but at 14 inches or 16 inches or whatever, they're pretty big fish. So they, they take a decent sized tank. Paul Solterra might be a hybrid if it came mixed with other Severums. Yeah, it could be. Um, although it could also just be, I think I ordered three types of Severums at that time. 
maybe just one got in the wrong bag. That can happen. So it might be a hybrid or it might be um, just another species that was mixed in. I, I think I got Notatus with that order. And um, uh, I can't remember if I got something else or not. Yeah, it's really hard to say, especially for me. I, I'm just not a Severum expert. And I like them so much, but this has happened to me with Geophagus as well. When I got in what we thought were Wine Milleri, that's what they were sold to us for, as. And then like six months later, the customer's like, hey, these aren't Wine Milleri. And they spent six months growing them out. So I don't know. So, I mean, I, I took care of that. Of course, I did a refund and took care of the customer and everything because that's a horrible experience. It's not their fault, but it's also not my fault. Like, I don't know of anyone that can definitively tell like an inch long uh, severum what species it is or like a small geophagus or whatever. So the, the reality is in, in this industry is people like me that sell to the end consumer we're at the mercy of our suppliers on a lot of these, unless we get just big adults all the time. But here's what happens with the big adult is it's going to take up, it could take up an entire shipping box, right? In which case you have the price of the adult plus the price of freight, which for one fish, all that freight for importing it or whatever we're doing, um, it just gets really, really expensive. So, I mean, it can be done. There's, there are definitely businesses out there which cater to large fish often mean fish you know monster stuff not all monsters are mean i get that but um that's kind of the niche it's like look at this monster and all that so i know it can be done but that's not really my business that's not my business model so um i have to bring them in small and it's like i this is what they were sold to me as we won't know for six months so Keep that in mind when you're going to buy um, fish like that from me at a small size that I'm taking a gamble. You're taking a gamble. It's like I and I'm at the point now we've been growing so much since this business started. Dancefish.com for all your fish needs. <laughs> Sorry, did I shill? Um but we've been growing so much that we're, we're constantly trying new suppliers and things. So there might be another supplier of Severums down the road that I try and hopefully their fish don't grow into the wrong species, right? Or uh, geof I really like geophagus. Severums are, again, tank busters for me. I don't tend to keep, <clears throat> I don't tend to keep really large tanks, but geophagus and stuff, those, those, those I can definitely handle. So I do want to bring more in. I love geophagus. They're so beautiful. They're peaceful as far as cichlids anyway. For a cichlid crowd, they're pretty peaceful and they have such neat colors and behaviors. Um, I've got to find a, a way to do it so that a customer isn't spend doesn't spend six months growing them out and then be disappointed because that's horrible. All right. If anyone has any L24s or L25s, Tara is looking. <laughs> Let Tara know. All right. Is that Muno? No, there's an R. R Nuno 52. Do you think zebra loaches will ever be sustainably sourced from a breeder? And if so, would you ever carry them? 
I'll carry zebra loaches, sure. Um, and I, I need to look into that again. I haven't looked into that for a long time to see what the situation is with them. Um, I do think, actually, that they're being farmed in some places. Now, almost all the loaches and things, when they're farmed, they're not doing it like a hobbyist does, where you set up a breeding tank and the fish spawn and you're done. They're, they're doing it like a farm does, which is they're using hormones. But that's better than decimating a, a population if that's what's happening, right? So I need to look into that more, our, our new No. 52. Um, but I think that there are sources of zebra loaches that, that do it right, um, or at least aren't being detrimental to the natural populations and habitats. Dragon Lair, your recommendation for a smaller primary algae eater pleco for my Wanamensis rainbow fish tank? I would just do a bushy nose dragon layer. Um, they're good algae eaters. Top out at, yeah, I don't know, five inches for a really big one. If you get a female, it could be closer to four inches. Um, yeah, I can't think of a something that could go in with one immensus rainbow fish. Because those are big rainbow fish full grown, so you're going to have a decent sized tank. I, I just go the bushy nose. For those that don't know this fish, um, Glossolepis wanamensis. Let's look, let's look, look at it together. It's pretty cool. Uh, did I spell that right? Wanamensis. Are there two S's? What did I do? Yeah, I forgot the second S. All right, so these guys are cool. They they look a lot better in person than they do in pictures, so know that first of all. But they get these neat fins. They get these like comb-tailed fins almost. Can I find a big? Uh, they don't quite show up there. Oh, here we go. That that gives you kind of an idea. But as they grow, they get like the, even more of that, these jagged edge kind of comb tail type fins. Um, and they get big. They're one of the larger, the rainbow fish species. That's kind of showing you, I guess. I'm not seeing any with, with the real heavily frilled fins here though. Um, that's multiscomata different, but same kind of finage. Anyway, pretty neat rainbow fish. Uh, that's the one Dragon Layer is asking about. Okay. Paul Soltero, I just read an article on Amazonas website that shows pictures of rainbow of rainbow severum that looks like what you've got. Cool. Um, I haven't been to the Amazonas website in a bit because I've been busy building, but. I might check that out. Is that a new one or is it, that's just the, they're calling it rainbow severum, like another common name or is that because they don't have a species yet? Tara Gatone. Yes, I am. I bought the two L600s you had last month. They're doing amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Glad to hear that. And I mean, they're real pretty, those 600s for sure. 
North Aquatics, I have been in the fish retail business for 20 years and feel your pain on getting good fish suppliers overseas. Or, or even here. It's not necessarily just overseas. It's good fish supplier in general. Um, yeah. As, as things get conglomerated, <laughs> quality can drop. I've definitely seen that. Um, but 20 years, cheers to you. I think, I think there's no shortcut. It's basically try this one, see how it goes, try to work with them, see how it goes. Oh, hey, we got to a point where things are good or nope, not going to work. Move to the next one. Like there's no other way to do it. And I wish there was because, you know, the, the cost in lives and treasure to figure that out is something I'd like to avoid. Dragon Lair, big tree of one on us and was hopefully you suggest something other than bushy nose. Okay. Um, well, there's lots of kinds of ancestress that would be fine. So let's look at like the starlight or something like that. Uh, what, L183? What about something like these guys? These are an ancestress species like the bushy nose, but they sure are pretty. Like these are beautiful fish and they eat algae really well that's what keeps this tank clean um until i get i don't know if you guys can see it but the green spot like nothing can get the green spot off except for like a razor blade or a scrubby pad <laughs> and i've been too busy to to worry about it but except for the green spot um those those i think they're 183s they might be 182s which ones i have uh, or was it, it's, it's uh, one of these, one of these dotted types. It's probably this one. Cause mine doesn't have the white margin on the tail. Um, got mine from mile high plecos. Thanks again, Mikey, Trevor, Trevor, Mikey, hope you're doing well, wherever you are. Um, but something like that. So there's all kinds of ancestress out there that ancestress types out there that are good algae eaters. And these guys top out at, I don't know, four or five inches, just like a bushy nose. So that would be good. Um, so dragon layer, I don't know if I don't have any available, but, uh, it's gotta be someone that's got them. Michael Mellier, have you ever considered carrying any foods and dry goods? Yes, but we're not going to, at least not for, there's no plans to do that in the immediate future, foreseeable future. Um, basically what we have done is we have at great expense, <laughs> built a facility that is optimized for live fish, for live freshwater fish, for helping them recover from import, for basically here's what we're trying to do. There's this whole supply chain that fish come through. And um, because of how the supply chain is, there's a lot of loss in the industry. And I don't think that's morally acceptable or ethically uh, something that should continue. And not only do I feel that way just as a hobbyist and a professional, but also there's a larger picture, which is if that kind of stuff, the industry was established and really boomed after World War II. I mean, it was, that's when it really went, right? We got some basic technologies that made it so you could keep fish more easily in your home. Things like, I don't know, heaters and uh, air pumps and stuff like that, right? Suddenly it's possible to keep tropical fish more easily in your home. Like before you had an air pump, it's pretty hard. <laughs> so um, 
had this boom. And unfortunately, the industry hasn't really changed how it operates much since that time. The only major change is that instead of most of the fish farms we source from being in Florida, Florida has been outcompeted and a lot of them are from overseas, uh, generally Southeast Asia. A lot of the farms in Florida no longer farm a lot of fish. Instead, they purchase from overseas farmers and then resell or maybe raise them a bit and then resell them. But there are still some farms out there. Don't get me wrong. But that's that's the big change that I've that I'm aware of since the industry started. But as far as supply chain and all that, um, it can be rough. And so I think we need to change that. I think if we don't, A, um, who wants to be the cause of any suffering or, or death in fish, especially in any kind of numbers, right? And B, if we don't, then those that oppose people keeping pets are going to have more ammunition for their cause, right? We need to do a better job because A, we should. It makes us happier. Like, why not? We care about these animals. Let's do it right. But B, um, if we don't, we'll get regulated. Like eventually there'll be a group that is against us keeping fish or any pets. You know, those groups exist and they'll have enough ammo that they'll be able to make that happen. So we've got to do it ourselves. So what I'm trying to do is a twofold attack on this problem. Well, it's really threefold. Number one, make sure that I operate in such a way that I'm helping the fish um, be hardy and healthy and recover before they go to the customer. Make sure I operate in such a way that I don't pass a problem on to a customer. Now, statistics, right? There's a bell curve. There's going to be a small percentage that that happens with, despite our best efforts. But that could happen with anything. You take a population of a, I don't know, let's say we sell a few thousand fish in a week. If you take a few thousand people and put them, you know, you go encounter a stadium or something, I don't know, that has a few thousand people in it. There's going to be a percentage of them that are sick. They might not even know they're sick yet, right? They might not even have symptoms yet. It's just, that's going to happen with living creatures. But our goal is to do the best we can by the fish so that they're healthy and happy and our customers aren't given a problem. And I know occasionally it happens, and I apologize for that, but that, that's what we're trying to do. We'll never be perfect. That just gives us something to keep striving for. So I look at this new fish warehouse we're building as a fish day spa, let's say. A place like, where do you want to go get pampered and relaxed and, um, and chill out and recover from stress? I don't know. I, I don't personally go to a lot of day spas. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't. If you're paying and you want to take me, I will go get an avocado facial. But um, that's the experience, we're, the kind of thing we're trying to do for the fish. So as we've built the new fish store, the fish warehouse, and figured how do we want to build it, what do we want to do with it, that's been our baseline is what is going to be best for the fish? What's going to be like a day spa for the fish? And the thing we kept coming back to is the best thing for fish is fresh water, clean water, well oxygenated water, right? And that's why we um, built that 
warehouse the way we did. And I promise I'm getting to your question about foods and dry goods and things. Um, so in order to build that warehouse so the fish are getting constant fresh water and are having the absolute best experience possible, we had to do a lot of planning, <laughs> a lot of engineering, get a lot of really expensive specialized equipment, some which we had to have custom made for us, and all of that. And I'll get to the other two uh, prongs of our attack in a minute after I answer Michael's question. So the bottom line is the square footage in that space is very expensive because in order to do the best we can for the fish, create a day spa for them where they have the best chance of recovering from import or whatever they go through to get to us and being hearty and healthy before they get to the customer. Um, there's a lot of expense that goes into that. We're not, we're not playing lip service to our mission. Like we're doing everything we can to complete it. And it's an expensive mission. So because of that, this, the square foot, every square foot in that warehouse is very expensive. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to take square footage from a warehouse that is at great expense, been specially designed for a specific purpose and use that for another purpose, like dry goods and foods and stuff. You don't need fancy plumbing. You don't need um, equipment that talks to each other to make sure that everything's the right temperature and you have enough oxygen and that things are sterilized and all these things, right? All you need is a space that doesn't get wet, <laughs> really. Maybe a space that doesn't freeze for some things. And so we're not going to use um, our specialized space for something that could be done in a non-specialized uh, facility. It just doesn't make sense. The other thing is, I'm not real passionate about dry goods. Like, I, I love watching Corey from Aquarium Co-op, who I'm sure we all know, and John at KG Tropicals, who I'm sure we all know, and Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Didn't, not forgetting Lisa. Um, and other folks that do dry goods like talk about dry goods. Cause I'm like, man, they're so excited about that sponge filter, <laughs> right? <laughs> or whatever they're doing. I'm like they put a lot of thought into that. Um, man, I use as few dry goods and pieces of equipment as possible. I'm not the kind of guy that's like, Ooh, the latest, greatest filter. Let me buy it and check it out. Like I know sponge filters work. So that's what I use. So those, they've been around forever. I just want a heater that won't break. I'm not going to go buy the latest, greatest one. Right. Um, Part of that is because of the volume of tanks I have. It doesn't make sense to get like, you know, a two, $300 light for each tank when you have over 500 aquariums. Like that's, that's crazy. So if I only had a couple tanks or a few tanks, then maybe I would geek out about the latest filter, or this or that, but I kind of find what works and stick with it. Um, so I'm, I'm not the right guy for that at this point. But the other thing is our mission is big enough that it's going to keep us busy for a long time. Just figuring out and doing a good job um, at getting the fish to our customers and not passing on problems, that's a big mission. So one day, if we feel like we've ever got to the point where it's like, hey, we've completed that mission or that mission is going as well as it can and now we have the people in place to where we can now think of other things, then maybe we'll look at dry goods and see if that's something we want to do or not. But before we got there, there's snails, there's 
invertebrates. There's, um, I don't know, there's plants. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. But again, we're not thinking of those either. I feel like we picked the hard thing to do. I think the hardest thing to do in our industry is get fish to customers in a way that the customer will be successful with the fish long term. That's difficult. It shouldn't be. That should be the basic bar where the industry is at, but the industry is not there. So there's all kinds of processes and procedures and experiments and things you have to do to figure out how to do that and how to do that at scale. Um, and there's many, many types of fish. Like we aren't even touching African cichlids, like Rift Lake cichlids yet. Um, we aren't touching goldfish yet. We're not doing anything with koi yet. We're not doing, you know, there's all these other fish that maybe we'll get to one day and, and want to crack those codes as well. So anyway, that's, that's why we aren't getting into the dry goods and foods and stuff. Um, I feel like there's plenty of places now that do a great job with dry goods um, and with plants and, and other things like that. I feel like the whole, I feel like the, the problem still remaining is the one we're trying to solve. Um, so anyway, that's, that's the answer. But to get back to our attack, attack number one is build a day spot for the fish. Attack number two is perfect shipping, how we get our fish to our customers. And we're getting better all the time. We collect data. Like we know um, how many heat packs we put in each box when we shipped this winter. We know the temperatures we were shipping to. We have all that recorded so that we can look for ways to fine tune that better. Um, we're constantly looking at how to get better packaging, um, how to get like for something I don't like about our boxes right now is when they're put together, the tolerances seem to be a little loose, um, which means that sometimes the styrofoam sheets or panels that go in to insulate the box don't snug up like we want them to because the box itself is this one's a little bigger, this one's a little smaller, things like that. So um, one thing we're looking at is can we find boxes that are built to better tolerances so that we don't have to worry about little seams in the insulation where cold or heat can seep through. I mean, we do a good job already with what we have, but there's little ways we can improve all that. So that's, that's item number two, item number one day spa, item number two ship to our customers as well as possible. And item number three, which is something we're working on, but won't be completed for a long time is I, I guess calling it humanizing um, the supply chain. So, how do you make it so that when the fish get to us, they're in as good a shape as the fish are when we get them to our customers? Um, there's lots of work to do there. Now we're doing it. We have suppliers that agree that a change needs to be made and are doing that with us. They're doing things like when they ship to us, only shipping um, at half density in the bag. So the bags aren't super overcrowded. Or in the case of our quarry doors and stuff, um, the the, well, we get quarries from a few different suppliers, but our main supplier um, is a breeder that breeds and raises many of the quarry species we have and individually bags the quarries when they send them to us, um, um, when they import them, when we import them from them. So um, I have a supplier in Africa, same thing. They'll individually bag all the fish. So there's 
things we're trying to do and there are changes at our current size that we've been able to to make but there's a long ways to go um and a lot of that is going to take us growing and getting big enough that if we buy enough fish from you if you're a supplier we can say okay listen we've been doing business together um if we change this i think the fish would get to us in better shape and um, we'd want to buy even more from you, you know, leveraging things with them. So those are the three kinds of things. How do we make the supply chain more humane? How do we make our day spa for the fish as nice as possible so they can get their cucumber facials and their, their you know, pedicures and stuff? And uh, how do we continue to improve and iterate and get fish to customers um, in good shape at scale? That's, that's what we're working on. All right. Wow, I went off on that one, didn't I? <laughs> Dragon Lair, thank you. Starlight is better. Those are perfect. Yeah, those are great fish. Uh, Paul Soltero said they came in as heroes of Fasciatus, but they don't quite match the taxonomy of that species. Okay, cool. Yeah, so this is something that happens with lots of fish. Uh, it, heroes as well, Severums as well, which is there's lots of species today that in 10 years are going to be two or three different species. It's like we found a species. It looks like this. We think it's this. But as this finally scientists get around to really looking into it, they'll find, oh, no, those are two different species. So that might be the case here, too. Like right now, if it looks like a Fasciatus, it's a Fasciatus, right? Until they can really get in and do the examinations. All right. 183. Oh, a lot of people dropped off during my rant. <laughs> no to self, less rants. Um, Paul Soltero, to sell equipment and food online, you would need another warehouse to store everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we wouldn't want to ship fish and stuff with food generally. There's all kinds of things with it. Um, what we're doing is specialized enough that I don't think we need to put anything else in the mix. Now, again, though, maybe one day we'll be like, hey, we've got that as good as it can go. What's the next challenge? But that'll be a while. Orange cones, the entire fish importing industry is being danified. Well, we're working on it. Um, it's going to take a while, though. And again, you know, if you get to a certain size, then you have a lot of leverage. But we're, we're just a tiny little minnow in that pond right now. Ira Nelson, like the green tear? Oh, did the green tear get divided recently? I didn't know that. But yeah, it happens all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised. All right, let's get to the giveaway here. Um, got 190 folks here. Couple folks coming back in. Good to hear it. <laughs> all right. So this is for, for those that are running late, so this is for this fish. This is a picture of the actual fish we'll be sending you for this giveaway. Raised this guy up from about an inch. Took this picture earlier today. It's what that fish actually looked like earlier today. Beautiful fish. Came in with a group of red-shouldered severums, but never got the red. So I didn't feel comfortable selling it, but it's such a pretty fish, I figured, hey, it'll someone here will want it. And it looks like 97, 98 people want it. So that's good. We'll do the giveaway in a moment, but before we do, just a couple reminders. These fish get big. And that's the main reminder. I mean, they're peaceful. Uh, they, they aren't, as far as cichlids go, they aren't belligerent or anything. I mean, they can have a little attitude, but they're, they're not 
They're very peaceful for cichlids. Uh, need some vegetable matter in the diet. They eat a lot of veggies. Need some protein too, but omnivore leading towards more veggies, right? And uh, again, they get big, so just keep that in mind. We need a big tank to keep these guys as adults. That guy there is a little over four inches. Uh, I didn't measure, but you know, in the mind's eye, <laughs> I looked at him earlier today, a little over four inches. So the winner is 100 eligible users, Christopher Medieros. Christopher Medieros, you have won. Congratulations. You've got two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here because you do have to be present to win. That's kind of the only stipulation. And uh, yeah, so chime on in. Let us know you're here. And in the meantime, we will grab... Oh, yes, yes, he is here. All right. Christopher, if you would email me, hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, your first name, your last name, and your mailing address, then we can work out the shipping. And also, the person that won last week, if you would uh, respond to my email, I don't know if you got it or if it went in your spam folder or what, but... um. I put a proposed shipping date of Wednesday of this week for you and didn't hear back. So I didn't ship it to you. So, um, we could ship Wednesday of next week if that works, but we've got to work out that date. So let me know. And by the way, this is not all their fault. Like, um, what happened? Oh, I forget. No, no, this is their fault. <laughs> I'm thinking of a different giveaway. There was a giveaway a couple of weeks ago where I did not see the person's email or something. I can't remember, but I didn't get back to them for like a week just because I somehow missed their email saying, hey, this is my name and address and I won. But we got that worked out. They got their fish, but um, yeah. All right. So yay, got big tanks for him. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that, Christopher. That's good. Thanks for being here. Thanks for playing. Alexander Engelhart. Wow. Thank you, Alexander. Rant away, says Alexander. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> and apparently it was worth it. So thank you so much for the generous super chat. Kelly Foreman. I wish I could go to a spa as nice as Dan's Day Spa for Fish. Well, come on over. We'll put your toes in with some Gara. We'll get a little chair for you. We'll put your feet in the Gara tank. <laughs> Curl Kitty 08 right back at you. Thanks for the Foxcat super sticker. Up, up and away. All right. We've only got a couple minutes left, so I'm going to see if I missed anything. If not, we'll probably shut this down. Johnny at Dancefish, I took care of that and sent you an email. Johnny, I'm not sure what we're talking about anymore, but it'll make sense when I look at my email. Okay, with that, oh, Kevin, I did email you, but never got yours. Okay, so it's my fault now. <laughs> um, Kevin, would you just um, send me an email and let me know if Wednesday of next week for shipping, uh, what was it that you got? Some, uh, I think it was some rainbows, right? Um, whatever it was. Was it the Cali Tambuni, I think? If you'd send me an email, let me know if shipping next Wednesday for Thursday delivery of next week works for you. We can go from there. And sorry if I missed yours. Um, it's his fault. It's my fault. It's their fault. It's everyone's fault. <laughs> anyway, whose fault it is doesn't really matter. We'll figure it out. 
Um, with that, let's close this down. Thanks everyone for being here. I want to thank my moderators for doing what they do. Really appreciate it. I want to thank everyone that threw money at us today. Thanks for the super chats. It's always appreciated. It's never required, but we are a, a startup here. And so when you're a startup, every little bit really does help. And it's put to good use. We, we have a lot we need to do and all the resources help us get there. So thanks so much. Everyone who had a question or comment or was lively in the discussion, thanks for being part of this. Help making it, uh, I don't know, not as boring as it would be if it was just me talking. And um, everyone lurking, hail the Lurker Nation. If you're listening on the replay, hello from the future. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. And thanks to Michael Millier for making the podcast happen. Um, we will be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Pam is going tonight. So um, in about half an hour, Punchy Paints, Pam, but Punchy Paints on YouTube will be doing a live stream. So stop on by and check that out. Till next week, have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.